0: Frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown American drink. Go to Grown American forward slash John and order today.
1: Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door.
0: It's been a hard week. It's been a scary week. It's been a crazy week. Let's end it as well as we can. You're here. I'm here. We've lost a lot of friends already in this early, early part of 2022. As George Carlin said, let's do a fucking show. And I hope you guys are all doing well. So let me begin by saying Botox is 20 years old this week. Don't look surprised. It's kind of hard to keep track of all All of the hypocrisy, corruption, malfeasance, rank fuckery, and double talk and jive we are getting from the Republican Party. The scandals are piling up. And as the scandals get higher, the media always has what message? Dems in disarray. I mean, let's think about all the scandals that just happened in the last 24 hours with Kevin McCarthy, Marjorie Taylor Greene, and Madison Cawthorn. And ask yourself, wow, how will the Sunday morning shows pin all of this? on Hunter Biden's laptop? We will find out. Kevin McCarthy told reporters he had a very friendly and productive call with Donald Trump about the numerous times McCarthy uh, tried to throw Trump under the GOP caucus bus after January 6th, 2021. Now we talked about this last night briefly, but not enough because it seems like these scandals are all just coming at us and coming at us and coming at us and the more corruption, the more incompetence, and the more lack of a mission to help people the Republican Party comes to stand for, the more harshly the media writes obituaries for the Democratic Congress. Now, it looked like Kevin McCarthy's shot at the speakership was more in danger than ever last night when we came to you, but he may have saved himself. Um, let's listen to some video, some audio first. This is, if you haven't heard it yet, Jonathan Martin and Alex Burns are two New York Times journalists, and they have a book coming out, and they have receipts. This is Kevin McCarthy talking to the House GOP leadership, including Liz Cheney. And I want to stress, Liz Cheney was not the one to release this clip. But this is McCarthy talking to House GOP leadership on January 10th, 2021. Here it is. Liz, you
2: on the phone?
3: Yeah, I'm here, thanks, Kevin. Um, That's loose uh, I guess there's a question when when we were talking about the 25th Amendment resolution. Um, yeah, about Trump. And you asked if, if you know what happens if it gets there after he's gone. Is is there any chance are you hearing that he might resign? Is there any reason to think that might happen?
2: I've had some few discussions. My gut tells me no. Um, I'm seriously.
4: Thank you for having that conversation with him tonight. I haven't talked to him in a couple of days. Um, from what I know of him, I mean, you guys all know him too. Do you think he'd ever back away? But what, what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to call him.
2: By, mm-hmm. this, this is what I think. No one will pass the house. I think there's a chance he'll pass the family even when he's gone. Um, and I think there's a lot of different ramifications for that. Now, I haven't had a
4: discussion with the Dems that if he did design, would it not
0: happen? Now, this is one personal fear I have. Um, This is the weakest man in Congress saying he's going to force Donald Trump to quit. I mean, the
4: only discussion I would have with him is that I think this will pass, and it would be my
0: recommendation we should resign. Now, the very next day, Kevin McCarthy was speaking to the House GOP conference and said, let me be very clear to all of you. I am very clear to the president. He bears responsibilities for his words and actions. No ifs, ands, or buts. I asked him personally today, does he hold responsibility for what happened? Does he feel bad for what happened? He told me he does have some responsibility for what happened, and he needed to acknowledge that. So who's the leaker of this? Well, Liz Cheney's office says it wasn't her. Steve Scalise, his spokesman, said he didn't leak it. Nobody on his team. And the New York Times reporters are not saying who did it. But this is yet another smoking gun in a field full of smoking guns. This is the Republican House leader. This is the man who will replace Nancy Pelosi if enough people don't show up in November to vote. Saying on tape that he planned to urge Donald Trump to resign over the January 6th riots. And and again, when the news came out he had said this, Kevin McCarthy denied it. So... The journalists produced the tapes. The House GOP is expected to win the majority in the midterms this November. And McCarthy has been one of Trump's most steadfast, groveling allies. After everything you hear, after everything you hear, Kevin McCarthy realized, wait a second, I really want to be speaker. So instead of doing all those things I said I would do to be a leader, I'm going to go to Mar-a-Lago and grovel before Donald Trump. The book is called This Will Not Pass. It comes out May 3rd. Again, it's by New York Times reporters Jonathan Martin and Alex Burns. And you can hear him say, Liz, you're on the phone, and they're talking about what can be done about the problem of Donald Trump. So uh, there was a time when Kevin McCarthy, because he's completely selfish, wanted to get rid of Trump. Soon after, Kevin McCarthy, because he's completely selfish, decided, no, no, Uh, instead, I'm going to go ahead and just give Trump anything he wants. Kevin McCarthy tweeted a statement yesterday saying the New York Times reporting on me is totally false and wrong. If the reporters were interested in the truth, why would they ask for comment after the book was printed? So they released the tapes. Here's another one. This one here is more of Kevin McCarthy. This was given by the authors to CNN in another conference call with the House Republicans on the 11th of January, days before Trump left office, five days after the terrorist attack on our Capitol in 2021. But let me be very clear to all of you, and I've been very clear to the president. He bears responsibilities for his words and actions. No ifs, ands, or buts. I asked him personally today,
4: does he hold responsibility for what happened? Does he feel bad about what happened? He told me he does have some responsibility for what happened. Um, And he needs to acknowledge that.
0: So that's the transcript I read earlier. Now, um, here's the deal. Last night, Kevin McCarthy got on the phone with Donald Trump. And apparently, Trump was not upset about the new audio that revealed McCarthy said Trump should resign. In fact, Donald Trump was pleased that McCarthy had once talked so tough, but then folded like a gap sweater and began groveling to him again. Why? Because Donald Trump loves that Kevin McCarthy is a spineless weasel. It shows ever more that Donald Trump owns the Republican Party. It is not the party of Lincoln. It is no longer the party of Eisenhower. It's not even the party of Quayle. Trump loved the story because he felt it made him look really strong to see McCarthy and Mitch McConnell as well say all these terrible things about him. And now McCarthy is this groveling supplicant. And Mitch McConnell said if he's the nominee, he'll back him in 2024. Donald Trump loves that they said these things because now they've completely gone back on all they said. That cowardice makes Trump look strong to weak people who like Donald Trump. Now, of course, a lot of y'all are terrified about Kevin McCarthy becoming the speaker because let's be honest, when it comes to being spineless, he stands tall. But don't worry, and I'll get to why in a second. Uh, There's a lot of Trump allies who hate this guy. There's a lot of loyal MAGA cult members who hate Kevin McCarthy because of his exact words you guys just heard. If he does become Speaker of the House, his life will become a living hell. He's not a smart man. He's not a strong man. And he will be surrounded by members of his caucus who think they're better than him and will disrespect him and push him around. And he's going to make John Boehner look like Gandhi, Lincoln, and Obi-Wan rolled into one. Meanwhile, today, Marjorie Taylor Greene took the stand in a trial to determine if she's worthy of being allowed to seek re-election. You see, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene cheered on the terrorist attack, and now people are trying to keep her from running. So here's, here's a bit of today, this is Exhibit A, where they asked, did you call Nancy Pelosi a traitor? A3.
2: In fact, you think that Speaker Pelosi is a traitor to the country,
0: right?
3: Uh, you're, I'm not answering that question. It's speculation. It's you, you've, you've said that, haven't you, Miss Green, that she's a traitor to the country? No, I haven't said that.
0: Okay. Can you, Put up please, Exhibit 5, please.
3: Oh, no, wait. Hold on now. I believe by not upholding the... Uh, se- securing the border that that mm. violates her oath of office.
0: Fair enough. I'm, I'm not interested in her oath of office. I'm interested in that you said that she's a traitor to our country, right? I
1: I object, Your Honor. She is not.
0: Okay, so as you can tell by that, it didn't go well. Uh, Marge was up there trying to say how she only cared about peaceful protest. And that was her main defense. She just wants peaceful protest. So here's a montage of all the various times in the last two years Marjorie Taylor Greene claims she was just fostering peaceful protest among her frothing base.
3: This is our 1776 moment. America reelected Donald J. Trump for four more years. You can't allow it to just transfer power peacefully like Joe Biden wants and allow him to become our president. January 6th was just a riot at the Capitol. And if you think about what our Declaration of Independence says, it says to overthrow tyrants. I am very convicted in what we're going to be doing on January 6th. And it's historic, and I feel it's very, very important. Just finished with our meetings here at the White House this afternoon. We had a great planning session for our January 6th objection. We aren't going to let this election be stolen by Joe Biden and the Democrats. President Trump won by a landslide. Call your house reps, call your senators from your states. We've got to make sure they're on board and we already have a lot of people engaged. Okay, stay tuned. President Trump was reelected for four more years. Tomorrow is a very important day in America's history. We can't allow our integrity of our elections to be stolen. We must object to this vote. So let's get ready to fight fight for America tomorrow on january 6th if you're able there are going to be possibly a million or more people coming to washington to be there for this historic event it's critical for everyone to show up and show the nation who we are we aren't a people that's that are going to go quietly into the night
0: what (laughs) you get the idea right look maybe marjorie taylor green will overcome this if you watch the trial as i did you saw she had a judge that would have given Kyle Rittenhouse a pedicure. And and again, like you're upset about Kevin McCarthy taking over the House speakership role, guys, if he does, it'll be the end of him. And let's just say Marjorie Taylor Greene isn't barred from seeking office again and can run again for her seat and is re-elected to Congress. Well, is that the worst thing that could happen? Why not let Marjorie Taylor Greene stay in Congress? Seriously. I mean, if Kevin McCarthy is going to be the speaker, don't you want Marjorie Taylor Greene there to belittle him and make his life a living hell every day? If the worst case scenario is we are forced to watch her seek re-election, then let her define and humiliate the GOP House leadership. If she's expelled from Congress, who are they going to replace her with? A quieter, saner Republican who's much better at fundraising. Instead, let's keep her there let Democrats fundraise off of her idiocy and racism. Let Kevin McCarthy be forced to defend her and her Muslim and Jew-hating ways every day. See, I, I got kind of an unpopular opinion about her. I think the party of Marjorie Taylor Greene deserves having to own her. But wait, let me just tuck on your coat about one more, Guy. And that would be your friend and mine, Madison Cawthorne. You know him. That wholesome, deeply Christian Republican congressman from North Carolina who just, what, two weeks ago accused his Republican colleagues of inviting him to orgies. Someone leaked embarrassing images of Madison Cawthorn late this afternoon of him wearing what appears to be lingerie in a party setting. Now, let's talk about. We Madison, he was raised in a conservative Baptist community in Henderson County, North Carolina, and his entire phony political persona is based on his arch-fundamentalist Christian principles and his illusions of this kind of hyper-masculinity. He was the one who was talking about the sexual perversion in Washington on a podcast. He later, after being bitch-smacked by Kevin McCarthy, had to apologize and say he was exaggerating. Now, this guy... (laughs) also just had a marriage that ended with a woman he was married to for eight months who he claimed he met in a Russian casino. Except casinos aren't legal in Russia. So it sounds like he was in an illegal Russian casino, which means someone's got compromise on him. In the last couple of months, Madison Cawthorn has called Vladimir Zelensky a thug. He says that Nancy Pelosi has a drinking problem. She doesn't drink. And he has racked up so many traffic violations, including speeding and driving twice with expired tags and driving with a revoked license. This guy's got court dates in May and June. Politico has said they can't independently verify the photos, but if you're near Google, go ahead and Google Madison Cawthorne lingerie. Enjoy yourself. They were provided to Politico by someone formerly close to Cawthorne and his campaign. Think about that. Two weeks ago, Cawthorne and Kevin McCarthy are at each other's throats in less than 24 hours, they've both had deeply embarrassing things about them leaked by people close to them. We're not sure when the photos were taken. It appears to show him in a wheelchair, which means it was after his accident. He's wearing a pendant necklace, uh, and it's already been circulating among his political rivals. Now, now, again, he's probably not going to pay a price for this either. The guy's been pulled over three times for driving with a, re- with a revoked license. No consequences. If an ordinary citizen did that, if a black citizen did that, they'd be in jail. Madison Cawthorn also helped to coordinate a terrorist attack on the U.S. Capitol. But he's above the law. Where's the DOJ on this guy? I mean, this is the guy who accused his fellow Republicans of going to cocaine orgies. And here we see him partying in women's lingerie. It can be discouraging to see these hypocrites. These these evil lying frauds walk between the raindrops, just like Donald Trump. Do you get down sometimes? Do you feel gaslit? Do you feel like you try to be a good person? And these bad people who don't do anything to help the conservative white people who vote for them always get away with it? And this is, of course, 24 hours after a day when doughy mediocrity Ron DeSantis declared war on Disney and corporate free speech and Florida taxpayers, trans children, and medical privacy, and black voting rights, and the entire Florida tourism industry. Well, guys, here's the deal. These incompetent buffoons, they might be here to stay. They may be owning the Congress come this November, and if they do, it's not going to be because they're so good. It's going to be because we the people are so indifferent, because we the people don't show up in big enough numbers. And But by the time we get there, they may have gutted Roe versus Wade. Thanks to a Supreme Court filled with three ringers by a reality show clown, the majority of Americans voted against twice. They have outsized power. So what are you going to do? Are you going to give up and let these kooks win? Are you going to give up and let these moron hypocrites run roughshod? What if they do take the Congress? Are you going to give up then? Or are you going to keep on fighting for what you believe in? Jamie Raskin says the January 6th committee hearings will tell a story that's going to blow the roof off the House. He said those hearings are going to happen in June. We previously heard May, but now they're saying they've got incredible stories that we haven't even heard yet. Think about that. Think about the fact that these journalists say they have way more tapes that we haven't even listened to yet. Think about the fact that Donald Trump will go to war with Ron DeSantis. Guys, I know it seems discouraging, but fascists can win a lot of battles. Fascists never win in the end. And in the midst of all of this, this week, the Joe Biden administration canceled student loan debt for 40,000 more people who were cheated by the system. That's in addition to the previous uh, PSLF recipients, plus 41,000 under the Totally Permanently Disabled Program, and 18,000 who were defrauded. Over $16 billion in student loan debt forgiveness has already happened. And that story's not going to make the headlines, because it's not as titillating as these corrupt racist clowns. You guys know what you're fighting for. You know what's at stake. Don't wait for politicians to lead. They're not going to come to our rescue. Joe Biden won't rescue us. AOC won't rescue us. Black Panther and Thor, Gandhi, no one's going to come to our aid. Batman's not going to save us. Only we can. At the ballot box. And by good people like you, the listeners of this show, who run for office on the local level. He's one of our favorite historians. Now, you might already know his books, uh, Don't Know Much About History, and that wonderful book series. He's also the author of In the Shadow of Liberty, one of the best books about slavery I have ever read. I will always say I put it right up there with Alex Haley's Roots. Uh, also, More Deadly Than War, The Hidden History of the Spanish Flu in World War One. My God was the man prescient to publish that when he did. His most recent book was Strongman, The Rise of Five Dictators, and The Fall of Democracy. But before I give the floor over to Kenneth, I just want to give you this little bit of backstory. The Library Association of America said they counted 729 challenges last year to library, school, and university materials, also research databases and e-book platforms. Uh, Every challenge can have multiple book titles. And the Library Association tracked 1,597 individual books in our country that were either challenged or removed. It's not comprehensive. It's just based on voluntary reporting by educators. Glenn Youngkin of Virginia ran a campaign ad featuring a mom who didn't want Toni Morrison's beloved to be part of her son's high school curriculum. Republican Henry McMaster, governor of South Carolina, literally asked for an investigation into the state's public school books, specifically mentioning the book Genderqueer, a memoir by Maria Kababe, which the Library Association said was the most frequently challenged book in the country last year. What does it say that 70-odd years after Joe McCarthy, we're back to banning books? What does it say they're trying to ban critical race theory rather than just debating it since it is a theory? These events are all related, and I'm so happy to welcome a man of such wisdom and morality as Kenneth C. Davis to break it down. Ken, welcome back. You mean wild thing, don't you? Yes, Wild Thing, indeed. <laughs> uh, that,
4: that's a first for me, John, that someone has called me, you know, said Wild Thing should be my theme song. But I, unfortunately, am able to remember when that song was number one. But um, wow, uh, that's, you know, that those are <laughs> the good old days. But uh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you, as always. This is a very, very... Serious topic. I've been writing and talking about banning, censoring books for a very long time. Long before I wrote Don't Know Much About History, I wrote a book about the publishing industry and the book industry uh, nearly 40 years ago called Two Bit Culture. And, you know, once upon a time it was dirty words, and yeah. then dirty words became uh, political words. And you mentioned McCarthy. Uh, 19 in the 1950s uh, they were talking about un-american books and these committees would go around the country scouring libraries not just school libraries but public libraries demanding that books be removed books by Karl Marx should be taken out of the library because they were subversive un-american right
0: but of course not 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 debated not debated You know, not like forced to stand on their own merits, just removed so people could never actually read it and know.
4: And, and John, the, the thing is that this is a much o- older story. They've been banning and burning books be- since before they were books. If you go down, back to ancient Chinese, ancient Greek history, uh, writers were burned. Sometimes they were made to drink uh, poison hemlock because uh, uh, yep. the authorities didn't like the things they said. So this is more about uh, uh, you know dirty words or... Uh, queer or gay or women or racism or any of these issues that are in the news now. This is really about how books represent ideas, books represent truth, book re- books represent a threat to power, yes. and the powerful have always tried to control what we read. Uh, and, and again, you, you can go back to th- before there were books – once gutenberg's press was in print was uh was created the printing press the vatican created something called the prohibited books list uh That's it right. it was in, in in latin and there were hundreds of books um in some cases those writers were uh banned uh, their books might be burned, and in some cases the writers were burned, like uh, Giordano Bruno in 1600, because he would not relent when the Inquisition told him to um, to recant his views. He said no, and so they burned him at the stake in the middle of Rome. Um, well, Authoritarians, <laughs> like the powerful, oh. whether it's the church, a dictator, or a government, have always used the power of destroying voices, destroying thought, destroying free thought as a way to try and control people. Um, Historically, it doesn't usually work. Unfortunately, it's often a long, hard struggle to get through to that. You know, we mentioned briefly going back to the 1950s and McCarthy, but in the United States, it's a much, much older story. In fact, you go back to the 1830s. And guess what uh, people didn't like in the 1830s? They didn't like abolition literature. Abolitionist pamphlets were being sent into the South in the 1830s. And so the good people of uh, Charleston, South Carolina, uh, went into the post office Took out these abolitionist pamphlets and burned them in the street. Then right. they burned uh, an effigy uh, William Lloyd Garrison, the um, the famous abolitionist publisher and supporter, great supporter of Frederick Douglass, and um, two years later. Uh, they also attacked the anti-slavery literature of a man named Elijah Lovejoy. Um, he was not as lucky as Garrison because they he was in the building when they burned his pamphlets, and so mm. he was murdered by a gang in 1837. So this is a long, dangerous history, scrubbing the nation's public square of offensive materials, torching books, um, despite the First Amendment, are as American as uh, apple pie lynch mobs, burning crosses, and now tiki torches.
0: Yeah, you cover this and more in a great new piece on your website, don'tknowmuch.com, called When Robin Hood Was Blacklisted. And I'll confess, I didn't know that back in 1953, an Indiana State textbook commissioner literally called for books to ban any books, called schools to ban any books that mention Robin Hood, because they robbed from the rich and gave to the poor. And in 1953, that meant socialism.
4: Yeah, Robin Hood was a commie, is the way I lead that uh, that story, which is on the front of Don'tKnowMuch.com right now. And it's easy to kind of laugh that off as as kind of an amusing bit of trivia. Oh my goodness, that isn't that ridiculous. But that uh, assault on Robin Hood was part of a very large nationwide effort to ban what we were talking about a moment ago, anything that reeked of uh, socialism, communism, Marxism, uh, even books of, of value, of historical value, were considered so subversive that these people went in and started to just pull them out of the libraries. In 1952, the New York Times actually, uh, this this is something obviously that's going on right now in 2022, 70 years later, but they described a wave of educational book censorship. Where these self appointed local committees, you could call them book lynch mobs in a, in a mm-hmm. sense. Um, forgive me, the New York City fire department's um, going by. Right there um, with you. Okay. Uh, they were called volunteer educational dictators by one librarian. And they were co- coercing librarians to remove books considered un American. And this was part of McCarthy's whole juggernaut of a war on so-called communist influences in America. And in 1953, a year later, he sent two of his kind of notorious underlings, uh, one of whom was Roy, Roy Cohen, That's right. young attorney Roy Cohen, and his associate David Schein. And they went on a sort of junket around Europe. This is in 1953, Europe still struggling to recover from World War II, U.S. Information Service libraries had been set up in all of these war-ravaged countries to brought, provide books that presented, represented America to, to Europe at the time. It was part of the Marshall Plan to uh, right. to bring American ideals and idealism uh, to war-torn Europe. Um, McCarthy claimed that there were thousands of works by communists in these libraries. And so these two guys, Cohen, uh, Roy Cohn and David Schein, actually succeeded in going into these libraries and intimidating the Foreign Service official, and thousands of books were removed from the shelves of these libraries. They included books by Dashiell Hammett, uh Mm -hmm. famed for the Maltese Falcon uh Lillian Hellman uh Howard Fast uh much later famous as as a novelist but in his early years he was writing books like um Citizen Tom Paine which had a socialist tinge um he was one of the by the way one of the blacklisted uh writers along with uh Dalton Trumbo and um Eventually wrote a book called Spartacus, which was also he had to write under a, and publish under a, a, a pseudonym right. because no That's one right. would
0: publish him. You know, I, I have so, to I have to ask you, Kenneth, about this. If I may interject for just a second. No, please. You know, we all know that Eisenhower was really the last Republican president to balance a budget and have a surplus. But in many ways, he seems to have always been the last true conservative Republican president. And we all know that true conservatives wouldn't really be a fan banning books you've crossed into fascism by then did eisenhower protest this in any way when he became president in 53 well it's
4: interesting because i had come across a quote from eisenhower a few years ago where he said don't join the book burners and i thought oh that's great well, eisenhower was really standing up eisenhower of course was inaugurated in january 1953 the height the peak of joe mccarthy's power uh, really, the man controls the government he contr- he, he, There was such fear in this country. Um, what was going on? Of course, the the, um, the Rosenbergs had just been uh, convicted of spying. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alger Hiss uh, had been convicted of perjury because of his role with with the communists. The, the Korean War was uh, recently on. So America was really in gr- a tremendous amount of fear over communism, and McCarthy took that fear and made it seem like there was a communist under every bed in America. And Eisenhower, once he was inaugurated, of course, the great hero of World War II – Uh, a man who was the president of Columbia University at, at one time. We don't think of him as a great intellectual, but he was a very, very smart man. So he gives a speech in June of 1953 saying, don't join the book burners don't think you are going to conceal faults by concealing evidence that they ever existed. Don't be afraid to go in your library and read every book. And if he stopped there, it would be great. But then he said, as long as that document does not offend our own ideas of decency. Um, So there was that kind of qualifier. And he said those words, but he really didn't push back on McCarthy, not wow. for another year or so. Um, and in fact, at the time, the New Republic, the magazine, as kind of left uh, center magazine, wrote only reckless men under these conditions would choose to take steps offensive to McCarthy, since the president and Secretary of State John Dulles rarely backed up their subordinates when McCarthy singled them out for attack. So wow. it What's interesting is that America's libraries and librarians took up the the shield. They were not going to be silenced. And sort of, you know, we think of librarians and we still have that very stale uh, stereotype of the old lady with her hair in a bun with glasses shushing us. But librarians are really extraordinary people. They're admirable. They are dedicated to the ideas of what a library means. And the American Library Association, at a time when librarians were really threatened with the loss of their jobs, uh, and to be seen as sympathetic to communists was a danger, they said the freedom to read is essential to our democracy, It is continuously under attack. That was in 1953. Uh, three. Again, Oof. 70 years ago, and yeah. we're seeing it again right now. And that's why this is not just about, you know, a few books being singled out, and a f- uh, and it's more than a few right now. In Texas, I think the uh, one legislator came up with a list of 800 books that he wanted pulled from the shelves and inspected uh, in, in schools, 800 books. Not surprisingly, somebody went through the 800 list. Most of them were by women and people of color. Of course. It had to do with, with gay rights or transgender issues. Certainly ha- many of them had to do with uh, abortion, um, sexual reproduction, uh, You know, the fact of life, as we used to say, the birds and the bees. Of course, these are the books that children of a certain age need. And this guy is on a rampage. And I've seen the pictures of people going into libraries and taking dollies, uh, you know, hand trucks filled with books out of the school libraries. This is what the authoritarian does. And that's why this is so much more than just about a few books. This is really about uh, more authoritarianism coming down to scrub the public square of ideas that are a threat to them.
0: That's right. And, it's, and you know that's what? why
4: it's, it's so dangerous with everything else that's going on at the same time.
0: And, and in so many ways, it echoes the kind of book burnings we saw in America 100 years before the Nazis were burning Freud and Marx. When you think about the fact that they were burning, you know, abolition of slavery pamphlets. Well, the New York Times recently ran an article on the titles that were the most targeted books for banning in 2021. And of the top 10, it's overwhelmingly about LGBT issues or minority issues. Genderqueer, Out of Darkness, The Hate You Give, Beyond Magenta, Juno Dawson's This Book is Gay, Jesse Andrews' Me, Earl and the Dying Girl, All Boys Aren't Blue, uh, The Absolutely True Diary of a Part-Time Indian, and Toni Morrison's The Bluest Eye. I mean, and you point out in your excellent piece, Kenneth, it was just a couple of months ago uh, in February that a Tennessee pastor had a book burning for Harry Potter and Twilight books
4: yeah they're they're also on the list of the usual sp- suspects and all of the things that you're pointing out john i bring this together in the piece reflect the fact that there certainly is censorship and the removal of certain books by people on i guess we would say on the left side of the uh of of the scale but they are minuscule compared to this all-out, very organized attack right now. And part of it is, once again, white Christian nationalism is driving this. That's what is the moving force and has always been the moving force behind so many book bannings and censorships and book removals and book challenges. For a long time, they were things that happened on a very regional, local level, and people pushed back against it. But right now we're seeing it. Um, being being nationalized and also weaponized by the Republican Party. Now, I will say, since I mentioned that th- th- this happens on the other side as well, um, it's 1957 that the New York City School Department uh, Board of Education removed Huckleberry Finn from that's schools right. back then, uh, and that's mm-hmm. still a book that causes. Problems for for a, a lot of teachers and oh, a lot of sure.
0: uh, people. How and let's, be fa- and let's be fair. Let's be fair. It's folks on the left have tried to uh, tamper with that book as well by banning the N word, which is in there for a very deliberate and moral reason to highlight the that's, brutality of slavery.
4: That's exactly right. And there are certainly other books that use the N word that uh, you know. But that's that's a, one of the rare examples of a book uh, being challenged for that reason but it's it's uh, it's a real one but let me um well we've only got, a, we've, only got a, a minute. we've only
0: got a minute left so yeah i do want to ask you like what can people do to fight back on this
4: okay the, the most important thing is to be active in your community i mean this is a very localized thing a, a, a loud a loud voice at a school board meeting or a loud voice at a library meeting Uh, should be drowned out by the loud voices of people saying, no, you can't tell me what I can read or what my children can read because of your uh, own particular views. The Supreme Court has dealt with this. 40 years ago in 1982, they said that parents certainly have a right to to, uh, monitor what their children are doing, but they do not have the right to suppress ideas. Very important case uh, here in New York called the Island Trees uh, case. And um, this is a battle that goes on. So don't just accept it. And buying books, buying banned books is a great idea. Reading them is a great idea. But we have to make sure that the kids who need them and can't buy them and can't afford them can get them. The New York Public Library is making its whole list of banned books available to any student in America. Check out the New York Public Library.
0: Kenneth, it's always such a pleasure to have you. Please, please come back. And let's go even longer next time. We didn't even touch mouse. What's the best way for our listeners to keep up with all your work, sir? Uh,
4: Don'tKnowMuch.com is the website. You can follow me on Twitter, where I post an awful lot about this stuff, at Kenneth C. Davis.
0: Such a pleasure, Ken. Happy spring to you and your family. I look forward to seeing you in person in our studio again very soon.
4: Say happy Easter, John, but I was thinking about you last week, and uh, <laughs> this is a you. time of, of hope, renewal, and liberation. Uh, the, the Exodus story and Easter, uh, whether you believe them or not, it's, it's a 3,000-year-old story uh,
0: that uh, keeps hope alive. <laughs> There's a lot of truth there, even if there's not a lot of facts there. Thank you so much, Kenneth C. Davis. We'll be right back with your calls. This is Progress.
1: Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie dot com slash wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie dot com slash wondery. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's p h i slash poppods to get 50% off your first month.
0: Hey, uh, Lawrence in Pennsylvania, thank you for your patience on hold.
2: Yes. Um, good evening. It's my first time listening to you, and you really got me excited here. You yeah. so, know, listening to all these various viewpoints. Yeah. Um, I, I think people keep skirting around the issues that the Republicans are dealing with. You know, I, you know, I'm a man of faith, and I simply believe there's such a thing as evil, and there's such a thing as good. And when people lie and cheat and disguise and manipulate. That's evil. People have been calling it all kinds of names, but the basic thing is good versus evil. And we've got to see it as that. You know, all these other ways we try to make it cosmetic and pretty and use these words that don't offend, that are politically correct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> good versus evil. It's evil that these people are doing, and we need to start acknowledging that. And I was really impressed when Cory Booker got up and just called what Republicans were saying, Tim Scott in particular, lies. He said yes. exactly what it is. We have this English language that we need to use and use it <laughs> appropriately. Don't, don't do this you know, substitution for language. No, words are words. And if you are a person of faith, you know that in the beginning there was the Word, and the Word was God. So if we're going to speak truth to life, let's call it what it is, good versus evil.
0: You know, I don't know if I believe in good and evil people. I think all of us are gray in that regard, but I think there's good and evil deeds. I think good people well, can do well, evil deeds. Well, evil not people not do good deeds. people,
2: but the spirit, the yeah. spirit of the person that sure. can dictate. I'll, and I spiritual, I'll, like
0: I'll call me, out evil, but, but no one is beyond is redemption to me. I'll call out evil all day, but no one's beyond redemption to me.
2: I believe that, but I call it out for what it is.
0: Right on. Lee, any thoughts on, on, I, on I, I Actually, I love what Lawrence is saying. I've actually, I've said that a few times, which is that we need to say that it, we need to start saying that what's going on, some of these things are just plain evil. And yeah. we, 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 shouldn't, we shouldn't want to, we shouldn't hide from those kinds of words. So thank you, Lawrence. Lawrence, I thank you for the call. I hope you'll call us again sometime. Our time grows short. By the way, I looked it up. Uh, it wasn't Howard E. Rollins in uh, The Last Detail. It was Gilda Radner. Gilda Radner. Was in the last detail. Um, And so was Michael Moriarty and uh, Nancy (laughs) Allen. And by the way, uh, uh, Carol Kane played the role of Young Whore. That's the name of her character, Young Whore. That's next to being on this show a couple times, that's the most humiliating thing that's happened to her. Um, But Otis Gunn was the black guy (laughs) in the movie. That's who he's thinking of.